talk about weather and we talk about uh, how, how much it affects the silage quality, but um, attitude can have as, as much a, an effect as weather. And definitely we end up with the same guys making the, the best silage every year, so that there's something else going on. I think I think the key there is, look, they, they obviously have good fertility on, on those fields. They have good grass, new grasses in there that are growing well. Hello, I'm James Dunn, and you're welcome to The Dairy Edge the Chagas Dairy Podcast, where we bring you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. With the winter housing period upon us in large parts of the country, I'm joined by leash-based Chagas Dairy Advisor Lorcan Dooley. Lorcan outlines the advice he's given to his clients with regard winter feed. Firstly, I'm joined by Kate McCarthy, coordinator of the Chagas National Fodder Survey, who outlines the current fodder situation. I started by asking Kate the process involved in completing the National Fodder Survey. Well, this time we did a, a two-step process. So initially we sent out an online survey uh, where we sent it by text um, and we asked respondents what enterprise they were in. Um, had they the same stock as last year, more or less, or and the same with silage and fodder? And then would they be able to estimate um, how much fodder they'd require? And there was about just over 200 respondents to that. Um, but unfortunately, it was difficult to actually get a a true estimate um, with the figures we were given online of how fodder was on farms. So what we decided to do afterwards was to go and ring farmers directly. So I rang uh, 100 farmers and I took 80 of those responses from all across the country. Um, I took the advisory lists and then weighted them according to, you know, enterprise, so dairy, beef, sheep, etc. And of those farmers, I suppose, that you contacted, Kate, in terms of had many of them actually um, completed budgets, I suppose, in advance of that conversation? Or was it really a first for a lot of them? It was a first for a lot of them. And I actually did a couple over the phone with them just to kind of people maybe a bit panicked when it was actually asked, like, how do you think you're set? Mm. I think um, dairy farmers tended to be better organized in that way than than dry stock. But I, it, it is a different type of system. I think with dry stock, the license is there that if you are a bit tight, you can obviously sell some stock. And even though lads think they haven't a fodder budget done um, on paper, a lot of them know how many bales they are going to feed every week because they generally speak and have the same 20, 30, 40 cows or they know they're going to carry, you know, 50 year and a halves for the winter. Um, and it, it just depends then. I think fodder quality is what what for me is important then from a nutrition perspective, whether or not you have the same feed value with every bale. So I think that one was nobody, very few are testing silage. Now, it is early in the year, so we haven't got a lot of um, a, a perspective on that yet, but it would be something I would definitely be saying to people to test your bales and make sure that there is actually good feed quality there. Yeah, and that's one of the questions I had in terms of, you know, was there an assessment of quality? I suppose, obviously, quantity is a big one in terms of ensuring that at a national scale we're in a good place. But what was an actual assessment in terms of quality? What sort of percentage, I suppose, of dairy farmers, if we even keep it to the dairy perspective, had actually got um, silage sampling done at this stage? Maybe 30%, not not a lot. I think on average, maybe 90% hadn't or and it was funny, some people I say to them, oh, did you test the silage or do you intend to? And I've tested before there, it's usually all right, but the bales are dry. And I, I know that generally speaking, dry bales, but this year has been a funny year. It was a tough, a tough summer to make silage. A lot of people maybe had hay that they had planned on taking and didn't get the break for it, ended up baling it instead. So it might be no harm. You know, I, I would always say it's no harm to know what you're working with anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose then, so what were the actual findings? And if we keep in terms of dairy perspective on this, what were the actual findings in terms of how were we set nationally in terms of um, fodder quantity around the country? 
generally speaking, not bad um, would be my take on it. I think most people are aware that you can have long winters and wet springs and that also you can have dry summers and people have started to, I was surprised the amount of people that have cut uh, more in expectancy of, I suppose, a, a tough year or a tough winter and probably aided in part by the fact that they maybe didn't have conditions to graze for parts of the year this year and ended up having bulky paddocks that they wouldn't usually take. Um, but yeah, a lot of the guys are, are pretty confident that they're okay. About 80% of our respondents on general were confident they had enough silage. That's, of that 80, even and if you take the, everyone that answered, particularly over the phone, people maybe were, I should be all right, was a general kind of thing for, for maybe 20% of them. And they, they were kind of just, listen, if it doesn't go too long or the winter, spring isn't too wet, if I get out, you know, by the end of April, start of start of May, I should be okay, which sounds bizarre now. But there are people who are feeding silage three weeks earlier this year than they plan to. And um, I suppose that's that's just going to be it would be no harm in my mind. And we probably discussed this ourselves to revisit this maybe in the new year and make sure people are, are still all right. But silage is there to be bought. Um, and that's the other thing. Some people are tight. Some regions are tight. Um, but silage is there to be bought as well. Yeah. So that was my next question, really, in terms of, I suppose, for that cohort of farmers that maybe do feel they're short or they're at risk, I suppose. What's your advice to those, Kate, in terms of maybe what should they be doing over the coming weeks? Well, some some have already taken some um, some action on that. I spoke to people who had decided that I was going to be a bit tight or just to give myself a bit of a, a buffer and bought 40 or 50 bales or whatever it was um, already early in the year. I spoke to guys who had planned to sell, you know, a share of their bales because they had made extra or had sold stock. Um, I think bale silage is probably the best value at the moment. Feed is still, for dairy lads, tipping there at 350, 360 a tonne. Um, and it is variable at the moment. It's hard to predict what the market is going to do, but obviously there would be a higher degree of feed value in that. Um, so it just depends on your situation. For dairy lads, obviously, um, with dry cows in particular, you don't have to buy particularly high quality silage uh, for the dry period. It's more the fresh period. So if you think you're going to be tight and you have a good pit, um, you know, now might be a good time to buy a few bales and take the risk that the quality mightn't be, you know, 75 DMD plus. Um, for dry stock, it depends. You can sell stock, obviously. You can buy meal. You can buy silage. Uh, straw, I think for guys in the southeast in particular, where they'd be feeding a bit of fodder beating that, they were concerned about the lack of straw. Um, and that is, today. this year wasn't a great year for straw. But um, there are options there in terms of whether it's sell stock, buy silage, buy fodder. And then after that, it depends on your own cash flow, really, what you can afford to do. But um, there, there are options there, yeah. It's not... The country isn't tight on forage would be my perspective on it. No, I think that's a great insight in terms of where we're at. And as you say, really the advice there, Kate, is if you do feel you're tight, act now. And as you say, it's kind of a constant in terms of budget as you go through the winter in terms of and an act accordingly. So, Lorcan, we've just heard from Kate McCarthy there with regards in terms of the national fodder situation and where we're at. And I suppose the reason I wanted to have you on was to give maybe a, a more local perspective within your own dairy client base. So, I suppose in your own area in Leash, you know, given the difficult conditions this autumn, what's the winter feed situation like within your own client base, Lorcan? I suppose, to be fair, overall, the, the winter feed situation is quite good. I nearly echo what. Kate said around that um, there's was it when silage season was done and, and, and a lot of guys were counting bales or looking at pits um, were quite happy um, quality might have been variable but quantity you know there was there was silage there now <clears throat> because we're 
housing them, I suppose, a lot of stock that maybe three, three, four weeks earlier than planned. There's there's a little bit of concern. It's probably looking more into that that buffer that would normally go into the winter with is is probably gone. And um, it's not that they're 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 tight as silage, but it's just that um, I suppose that safety net mightn't be there. So, Larkin, yeah, in terms of when you are actually completing fodder budgets with your clients, I suppose, what sort of term are you actually using? Because you mentioned it there in terms of, obviously, this winter looks like it's going to be longer, depending on what happens next spring. But the sort of term that you're using in your own area with clients? Yeah, I think the thing about leashes, there's just a massive variation. So it it would be wrong to just throw a, a single you know figure for any one farm. So that, like you said, we, we have to do it on an individual basis and when I'm out with farms, we obviously discuss the situation, the land type, and how soon he'll get out typically in a year, um, how soon he'd normally house and whatnot. But look, we're we're probably ranging from four to five months, James, depending on the, the, the soil type. Um, there's probably a, a few farms are would try push it close to three and a half months. But to be fair, when we talk about that three and a half, four months of, of a term, on top of that, then we are we are budgeting that twenty percent reserve, and that's something I suppose that we have learned over the seasons in terms of to to build in. Uh, you see, in that your clients, I suppose that that they are accounting for that in terms of you know, there's not as many people maybe trying to try, trying to run it to the wire and and um, would like to have a buffer of silage left over for for particular weather periods. I suppose there's a lot of guys in, they got burnt before with not having enough silage. And they don't want to be in that situation again. And then, you know, it's 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 a, probably a, nearly a saving scheme to have that extra silage in the yard also. So that that twenty percent buffer, it, it's key on on most farms at this stage. Nearly that message has got out there to, to have it there in the background. It's a safety for the winter if it winters a bit longer than you think. But also, I see what a lot of farms around me would be for that drought that we get hit by in the summer. You know, you don't want to be caught there either. So there could be two or three weeks of, of feeding quite a lot of silage at that stage. So to have that buffer at the end of the, you know, coming into the spring there, it's there just in case we get one of those early early droughts too. Is there is there any common mistakes or is there any pointers, I suppose, because we'd encourage farmers to go and complete a budget themselves, let it be on pasture base um, or even in paper format that they have an idea where they're at. Have you any pointers, Larkin, in terms of where you see maybe poor people make mistakes? Yeah, look, the the first thing we we touched on, look, is 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 to give yourself plenty of time to allow for bad winters, uh, you know, allow for housing animals that bit earlier. But also, I, I see it a lot of the times we're we're not factoring say this year, for example. So it seems like there's plenty of silage there, but we don't know what kind of quality silage we have. A lot of it was cut late. A lot of it was cut wet. And I think to test your silage, fantastic. Look, that's what we need to do is test silage. But even just to, to physically, if you open a bale or open, get that once that pit is open and you, and you do a bit of an, a physical assessment yourself, you know, there, there can be an awful lot of waste in some of this silage as well. And we have to factor in that you could you could be talking about 5-10% waste on, on some of this. So that, that also has to be allowed for when we're doing our budgets. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of then, you, you've mentioned it in terms of it was leading into it in terms of that quality question. So quantity, um, you don't believe is is maybe that big issue locally in Leash, but in terms of that quality question, I suppose. Um, any advice for farmers on that? And I suppose even if, if we take it, is there different advice for different categories of stock or um, what's your own advisory take on that? Yeah, looking at what, say, silage analysis has been done, 
in the area so far. We have kind of a couple of categories of, of silage. So we've got silage that was cut early, maybe not a massive yield, but it was cut just before that weather broke. And that's fantastic quality, but typically farmers just don't have enough of it. And then we have some of that stuff that just didn't got cut in time. You're maybe talking 68, 70 DMD. It's still it's still nice stuff, but it's, it's probably ideal for your dry cows, but not not good enough then for your, your milking cows and your, your wainland. So what I see, I was only recently out with a farm and uh, kind of we had a good chat about this. And what, what he decided to do, because he got caught badly last March, he didn't have any good quality silage left. So he, he kind of had it in his head now. He's going to keep some of that for spring calves. He doesn't, you know, fresh calf cows, he needs some good quality silage. So he's not going to use that now for, for from cows milking in, in the back end. So he's going to try to keep, so cows are housed full time because of the weather. He's going to try to keep the wainlands out for as long as possible to, to clean up that excess grass that's there because there's plenty of grass out there. Um, so that that's kind of going to because obviously enough for wainlands we look they're growing an animal they need good quality silage so he's keeping them out that bit longer feeding them a bit of meal out and that's kind of his attitude to saving a bit of high quality silage that way he's also after selling some empty cows he's going to dry off he's going to dry off the the first calvers a little earlier he's going to throw in high cell count cows cows of poor condition and uh, cows expecting twins he's going to put put all those together he's going to be fairly uh, ruthless around that just to dry him off that bit earlier so that he, he's saving on, he, 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 they mightn't get fantastic silage, but they're going to get time. So he reckons, you know, that that will allow for improving condition score with those animals. That's a very good point there in terms of if, if silage quality is, there's silage quality that's particularly poor and it's been targeted at dry cows, that message in terms of that extra two or three weeks dry is an important one maybe heading into this winter, as you alluded to. Yeah, yeah. Look, and it's 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 probably a lot of those cows anyway. If you think about it, they're probably not they're not producing massive amounts of milk anyway. So it's it's not that he's, he'll be down a, a huge amount. And then for the for the milking cows at this stage, the the key there was look. He just he tested his silage. He he he's trying to balance it with some some concentrate. And uh, this does not there's not much more you can do, James. You know. Maybe just to finish up in terms of, I know and it, it, it's something that you run annually in terms of you have a silage competition there in, in Leash. I was I know we were talking to you earlier in the week in terms of that hasn't happened yet. But I suppose the people that are at the top of that year in, year out, and they're probably fairly consistent, Larkin, what, what, what are they doing different, we'll say, that, that the guys that maybe aren't competing or aren't even getting involved in that are? It's amazing. We talk about weather and we talk about... Uh, how how much it affects affects the silage quality, but um, attitude can have as as much a, an effect as weather, and definitely we end up with the same guys making the the best silage every year. So there's something else going on, and I think I think the key there is look they they obviously have good fertility on on those fields. They have good grass, typically you know good grass, new grasses in there that are growing well, and and they're managing it. They know it's going to be cut for first cut silage, so they're either grazing that very early in the year or in the back end so it's a clean sward and then they're, they're trying to get in and cut it that bit earlier they're the, they're the big the big ones you see on, on farms and um then of course you know it's, it's your typical like just around preserving it and whatnot just taking time um making sure it's covered making sure it's well well covered um there's no magic to it really it's just kind of the common sense things but i i, I would say that they're probably just in that um mind frame to you know that they're going early they're, they're getting that cut mid-may they really have that, that yeah that plan in place as you say it's not rocket science but they're 
they've planned out to carry out what they need to do and, and they're going for those early cuts. I think that's that's a, a, an excellent insight in, ter- in terms of where your guys are at. Um, I appreciate your time and thanks for coming on and having a chat with us today. Bye, gents. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Kate McCarthy and Larkin Dooley for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and follow the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm James Dunn and join us next time for your Dairy Edge.